Hi, and welcome to the Jimboomba Baptist Church Sermon of the Week. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. We've been in this little series, uh, alignment series, and uh, we've been talking about like, like this is us, this is who we are. We're a people of God's presence. We are a people of not just God's omnipresence, but God's manifest presence. And you can go and listen to uh, what that exactly means on the website. We are a people who are family in God's presence and centered around God's presence. We're, we're not just a group or organization. We are a people, a family knit together around God's presence. Again, not his omnipresence, around his manifest presence, okay? And we, are, as that beautiful song says, that, that new song today, we are his people. He is our God. We are your temple, God, yeah? We are your temple. And so we are a people of God's presence. We are a people of God's presence, the temple where God comes to dwell in a special way, that he doesn't come and dwell uh, in, in other places, all right? And it's so important that we get this, that we're a people that center around the presence of God and the manifest presence of God, and we're a family in that context. We're only a family in that context, that we're, we're only a family because we're knit together by the Spirit of God and because what God is doing and his very presence being with us and we looked at the big story of the Bible of how God's presence and manifest presence, it's all about getting to a place in new creation. I'm doing it over there now. New creation where God's manifest presence is fully omnipresent. And we are a family from the garden to the garden city. We're a family around that manifest presence until there's a full family and a full manifest presence, new creation. Like This is awesome stuff. Um, presence, family, these are kind of words that we're using as our cultural pillars of JBC. Presence, we're people of presence. Family, we're a family around God's presence. And the other word is future. Future, presence, family, future. Future is really important. Thinking about the future is really important, isn't it? I mean, thinking about the future, you've got to think of your health of the future, in the future. And it's really, help, really important to think of your health in the future because it affects decisions now, doesn't it? You know, you're looking at that piece of cake in the fridge and if you're thinking of the future, you're like, oh, you pause and hesitate, don't you, Right? Yeah, we, it's important to think about the future. When it comes to money, you better be thinking of the future, right? And increasing interest rates and all this stuff. Like, and, and what kind of financial position do you want to be in the future? What do you want to do in the future? How do you, what, how, what kind of freedoms do you want in the future? You need to be thinking of the future right now, and that will affect decisions right now. Now, what kind of person do you want to be in the future? Your current habits form the kind of person that we want to be. And do those habits 
have a trajectory of making that kind of person or is it going in the opposite direction? Just like our health habits. Are they going in that kind of direction where, you know, and, you know, this world is corrupt and fallen and broken and so we don't get everything we're planning for, of course. But, you know, if, if we're going in a certain direction, we shouldn't be, you know, confused or surprised when we don't end up where we wanted to be. If we're headed in a totally different direction, it's so important to be thinking of the future in your relationships. Are you thinking of the future of your relationships? What kind of things and practices now need to happen if you want this kind of relationship? Maybe it's your husband, your spouse, or whatever. What kind of marriage do you want in the future that affects the decisions you're making now? It's important to think about the future. So many people just kind of go day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and then wonder why. I don't know why I ended up in this place. Like, well, I, you know, lots of people could probably look at your life and tell you why. Because when you're making all these decisions, you're making decisions against that kind of a future, not for it. It's important that we think of the future. Parenting. This one scares me. (laughs) We need to be thinking of the future. What kind of adults do we want to raise? That's the question when it comes to parenting. What kind of adults do we want to raise? Because they may be three or four or six or eight or 12 now, but they're on a trajectory, and the way we raise now leads them to a certain trajectory. We've got to be thinking. It's so important, isn't it, to be thinking of the future. And, you know, looking at some young people today, you know, your parents did a great job. They thought of the future. They thought of what kind of adults do we want. I mean, some don't think of it that, you know, consciously. It's more of like a subconscious thing. And, well, look, we turned out white. We'll raise them how we were raised, you know. It's important to be thinking of the future. Like what kind of issues do we have today that we don't want tomorrow or in a decade or three decades' time? Are we thinking of the future and dealing with those conflicts now in a, in a healthy way? The future is very important to think about. There was a little boy and uh, a family friend was over. Uh, and it was time for him and the siblings to get their pocket money. And so the father dished out the pocket money, and the family friend said, oh, what are you guys going to spend your money on? And the, the, one, the girl said, oh, lollies. I'm going out this afternoon to buy lollies. And the other kids said, yeah, me too, lollies. I'm going out to buy lollies. And then the, the youngest said, I'm going to invest my money. Like, really? You're going to invest your money? So how are you going to do that? I'm going to save my money. Really? So you're not just going to go out this afternoon and spend your money? No. Because I know that I, if I think of the future, I can have more in the future. Really? So what are you going to do? I'm investing my money so tomorrow I can buy double as amount of lollies. You know, like, this is... Like, we've got to think of the future, don't we? And the more mature we are, the more we can be thinking of our current actions influencing the future. What kind of future um, 
do, are we after? See, God cares deeply about the future. God is very confident about the future. Have you thought of this? He's very confident and optimistic about the future. And there are a few reasons why. One reason why is that he knows it. New creation is the ultimate destination that is bound to happen. There is no, no creak in God's plan. There is no weakness in God's plan that new creation will happen. But there's a lot of freedom for us in between now and new creation. But God's positive about the future because that is the trajectory that he has put planet Earth on through the work he did at the cross through Jesus. Jesus set a totally new trajectory for planet Earth, opening up the way to new creation. See, God cares about the future. He cares about new creation coming. He's positive about new creation coming. And throughout the Bible, I want to look at a theme today that ties into the manifest presence of God from garden to garden city and the theme of family being created and going toward the trajectory of a family that populates new creation, this garden city in new creation. And it's the theme that is woven through it all. And you've heard this word a lot, okay? And it does have a wide semantic range. It means a lot of different things, and it definitely means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But this theme, I believe, is one of God's master strokes at creating the trajectory for the future new creation. And so I think we need to get what this theme is all about far more than just a nice platitude. And the theme is this. The theme is God's blessing. The theme is God's blessing. So blessing can mean just from all the way to just like a nice platitude and goodwill towards someone, all the way to God's goodness and favor being poured out upon someone or a group of people. All right, so there's a, a wide range in Scripture, and when you even look in Scripture, there's yeah a very wide range, and definitely how people use the word blessing today, right? You sneeze, and someone says, bless you. <laughs> what do we mean by that, you know? Uh, when I got married, I went and asked uh, Jade's parents for their blessing, right? I didn't ask for their permission. <laughs> I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> I asked for their blessing, you know? And when we leave, you say, bless you. You know, how many other contexts do you hear that word? Bless you. It's used in such a trivial way in in a lot of times, isn't it? And the range is massive. We, we just mean bless you, like good on you kind of thing. But scripturally, there is a range, but the richness of God's intention for what blessing means is so rich. 
It's so rich. It's so good. It's God's goodness and favor on you, upon you, with you, for you. It's so good. It's so good. And the bottom line is this. I'm going to give you the bottom line right off the bat. The bottom line is that whatever God blesses, it's for a, pur- a purpose, okay? And, th- and it's this. When we're blessed, it's to be a blessing. When we're blessed, it's to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Why don't you just humor me and say that right now? We're blessed to be a blessing. Ready? We're blessed to be a blessing until I can hear you. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed. In the garden, in the garden, can you remember the first time God blessed anything? Do you remember? Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles or phones there, Genesis chapter 1. We're doing it old school again. I just thought I'm enjoying the old school, like no PowerPoints. Let's uh, go back to Genesis 1, 22. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's really easy to find after the contents page. Genesis 1.22 is the first time we find God's blessing. And it says God blessed them. And he's talking about the creatures in the sea and the birds that he just created. Animals got blessed before we did. I mean, they were created before we did, if you, if you go by this account. He blessed them and said... Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the waters in the sea. Let the birds increase on the earth. All right? And then the next time we see it, it's about us in verse 28. After God made man and his, mankind in his own image, in his image he created them, male and female, he created them. He blessed them. He didn't just bless man. He blessed man and woman, humanity. He blessed them. And said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And theologians will tell you that when God said rule over these animal kingdoms, that it also implies rule over the spaces that they abide in because that's really important to take care of them as well. If you pollute the sky, the birds fall from the sky, not a good scene, right? So God is saying, all of this I place under your feet, rule, and go and increase in number, multiply, subdue the earth with my loving reign. I want to reign and rule through you. Go and do this. This is your commission. And God blesses us to go and do that. And we talked about this is the, the, the goal, the plan of extending the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is where everything flourishes. Everything goes well. There is life. There is joy. And everything is set right. And that garden was to expand and extend over the whole planet. This was God's original intention, which is why when we get to Revelation, that is what's happening. Because that's God's plan, and even though it got off plan, God never ditched the plan. It's always going in that direction. So we are blessed to bring that blessing to the whole world. That flourishing, that life. Even the birds and the fish are blessed, the animals are blessed, so that they can bring the life that they've been blessed with to, to increase in number, to have more life. This is God's blessing from the beginning. 
Eden is to extend to the whole world, where to fill and subdue the whole world and increase God's loving reign on the whole earth through the blessing that we've been given. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's in the garden, creation. And then the fall happens. And what happens? The first time we hear the opposite of blessing, curse. And the serpent is cursed and the ground is cursed. And there's curse which brings just pain and strife and difficulty. It's blessing lost in many ways. Genesis 3, the curse. And then God calls a man that would start Israel. And let's jump to Genesis chapter 12. This is one of the key passages in the whole Bible, okay? And this is what I teach you week over week, week after week. The key story uh, signposts of the whole biblical narrative. Because when we get what part of the story we are in, we start living it. We start getting our identity. We start getting our calling in life, what we're on this planet for. And so God calls Abraham in Genesis 12, and I'm going to read verse 2. God says to Abraham, who is the father of Israel, right? I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation, and I will bless you. See that word, bless you. I will bless you. Not because you sneezed. I will bless you. Listen to the power of this. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. You see? Abraham was blessed. Why? To be a blessing. I'm blessing you, Abraham. And a lot is going to come from that. A great nation. Make your name great. And you're going to be famous. All that. But it's to be a blessing. You are being blessed so that you can be a blessing. Let's jump to Numbers chapter 6. We don't go to the book of Numbers much, do we? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, (laughs) Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's not a song. It's terrible. All right. I'm sure there is a song out there. I don't know it. Uh, Numbers 6. starting at verse 23. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, remember Aaron is the priest, a priest, okay? And in the New Testament, we're all called priests. It's called the priesthood of all believers. This is a key part of who we are. But tell Aaron and his sons, because their sons should be priests too, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. See, we don't get it, do we? We say, bless you. Achoo, bless you. You know, we use it so flippantly. And God is saying, this is so important. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Do you see a large part of what this blessing is about? It's about God's presence being with them. About God's goodness being toward them. About his face smiling at them. 
about his, the closeness, you know, the closeness of his presence, like affecting everything they do. The Lord bless you. These are more than just nice words or platitudes. Like this, there's a reality to this blessing. Now, we in the West don't get that. In many cultures around the world, blessings and cursings really are a big deal, all right? And if you go to, uh, you know, Africa or some of these places uh, in Asia, you will realize that whole communities, like, change their actions around what they believe will bring blessing and what they believe will bring curses. Like, their whole actions or what they do are totally altered on their understanding of this concept of blessing and curses. We just don't get in the West. We see it all as superstition. But here we see that it is significant for Israel to be blessed by a representative leader. I bless you in Jesus' name, right? And don't look at me as a special representative leader. We are the priests of God, yeah? Every one of you is a priest to minister before God and before people. We are all priests. It says this over and over in the New Testament. So let's keep going. Let's jump to Isaiah 44. Now we read this last week, but I just want to point out something that we didn't point out last week. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says this. We were looking at the theme of water with family last week. God says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Pause. Why is the, dry, why is the ground dry? Curse. Remember? Genesis 3. The ground is cursed and it's going to be hard to get the fruit of the soil from because it's cursed. It's dry. And so this, this, uh, this opposing theme of water is coming in, which we talked about last week. So I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And the, and the symbol of water also is about the spirit and God's presence. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And listen, and my blessing on your descendants. This blessing theme is all tied up in God's presence. In that theme of water and God's presence and blessing, bringing flourishing and life everywhere it goes. This is so significant. So in the garden, we're blessed to be a blessing to the whole world. At fall, there's the curse, there's kind of loss of blessing, and there's reestablishment of blessing in a way through Abraham and Israel. They're blessed to be a blessing to the nations, not just to Israel. It says to the, the nations. And then there's this specific blessing that Aaron the priest is to proclaim over Israel so that they are blessed because you need to be blessed to be a blessing. And then we hear this over and over throughout Scripture. And then we get to Jesus. Was Jesus blessed? He was born in the dirt. He had stable animals as company at his birth. Was he blessed? He was poor. And had nowhere to lay his head throughout his life. He was persecuted. He was absolutely blessed. 
And Jesus turns the concept on its head too of what, who we see as often blessed. And he said, you know what? Actually, the poor are blessed. And he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted and insulted because of me. And he connects that to a kingdom reality. And so there's much more of what we see, the spiritual reality of being blessed and what that means. It's not saying it has no effect on the physical. But yes, Jesus was blessed and he used his blessing to, he used being blessed to be a blessing. In fact, he reversed the curse, it says in Galatians. that On the cross, he took the curse of the world upon himself so that he could bless everybody through him, through his death and resurrection. This is incredible, incredible stuff. And then in Luke 6, 20, 28, you don't have to go there, you know it. Jesus puts this calling upon his followers that is incredible. And he says, yeah, you're to be blessing machines. Go and bless. Who? Well, Jesus points out who you should bless. Because it's easy to bless those who have favor on you because you might get even more favor. And it's easy to bless those who are good to you because they might even increase their goodness to you. And it just up, you know, keeps that friendship going and it's all good. But Jesus comes along and says, you're so blessed, you're to even go out and bless those who persecute you. Pray for those giving you a hard time. And, and Jesus sets the bar so high for his followers that you're to be this kind of blessing to the world. You're to bless those who work actively against you. Why? Because this is the plan of all creation. When we're blessed, we give blessing, and that blesses others. And eventually, hopefully, that blessing in them goes out to others and eventually hopefully in that person that blessing goes out and 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 to others to bless others and this increase is meant to continue and multiply throughout the world and at the ascension when Jesus went up to be with the father you find him blessing his disciples as he goes this is incredible stuff Jesus said uh, to Peter, when Peter realized that he, yes, you are the Messiah, Jesus says, Peter, you're blessed to know that because you don't know that because you're smart or humble or anything like that, but rather because the Father in heaven has revealed that to you. That's blessing. God blessing us, and then we have the truth to also bless others revelation from god is blessing and church jesus followers you are blessed you are blessed if you write down ephesians 1 3 it says that we who are in christ are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies every spiritual blessing we not you individually we are blessed in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. The church is incredibly blessed. And then Paul goes on, Romans 12 and Romans 15, that we're to continue what Jesus said. Bless those, particularly, who persecute us. 
Is anyone feeling persecuted at the moment? I don't feel persecuted. Is everyone blessing everyone that comes across their path? Those people that treat us nasty or rude to us, do we bless them? Do we withhold blessing? Goodness. We're not even being persecuted. When we get that we are uniquely blessed by God to be a blessing, it's illegal in the kingdom to not bless people in Jesus' name. Nothing someone could do to you surpasses what they did to Jesus. And constantly he's blessing. In fact, in his death, he is blessing the world, even those who nailed him to a cross. This is our calling, to be blessing machines. We are blessed to be a blessing. In Romans fifteen twenty nine, it says that we're to be the blessed to the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Come and explain that to me. To the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I think I'm still wrapping my head around that. This is us. This is us, church. We are blessed to be a blessing. We know the trajectory, creation, new creation, where everyone is so overwhelmingly blessed. It flows from us to each other. The manifest presence of God is just fully manifest and omnipresent. We are a total family with no grudges or gringes between us or anything like that. We're just in God's presence. We know we're so blessed and we freely give that blessing. Just as God has always freely given his blessing to the righteous and the wicked, he pours out his blessing day after day. Any good thing we experience is a taste of God's blessing and goodness toward us. This is our calling. This is who we are. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, And sometimes we don't realize how blessed we are and we need to kind of meditate on that and ask God, reveal how blessed I am. You've said that as a part of the church, as a part of the community of God, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Like show us, reveal to us what that spiritual blessing looks like. May we experience your blessing, God, so that we can be blessing to others a blessing to others. We can be those people who freely give. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you have received, so freely give. And the the context of that passage is crazy because Jesus has just told his disciples, go and heal the sick. Go and raise the dead. Go and cleanse the lepers. And go and cast out demons. Who has done any of those four things this week? (laughs) And Jesus says, as a summary, well, and he goes on, explains more of the, like how they're going to go into these towns and do it. But he says, as like a reason, as a part of the reason you're to go out and do this stuff, he says, because freely you have received, so freely give. Whoa, like, whoa, that's crazy. That is insane. But I can remember times I've actually been miraculously healed. And many times where my body just heals itself. I've been healed. I've been blessed. I can go and bless others in Jesus' name. Not up to raising the dead. That's a bit out. (laughs) That's a bit crazy. 
Jesus did that. He actually told his disciples to go and do that. Now, pause, just, you know, allow your questions and, you know, your walls there just to hesitate and think about Jesus sending his disciples out to do those outrageous things. Right before your judgment kicks in and goes, well, Jesus is just telling them to do that. That's definitely not my weekly routine. Yes, the disciples had a particular mission at a particular time. But think about the core of what God, what Jesus is telling his disciples to do. What does blessing bring? It brings life. What does God's manifest presence bring? Life and wholeness. And it destroys evil. What does casting out a demon do for someone's life? It destroys evil in their life and that influence. What does healing do in someone's life? It brings life, restores things, and cleansing them of leprosy in that day. They were social outcasts. It brings life and community back into their life. You hear what he's saying? This is so rich. Think about all the implications of Jesus saying, heal, raise the dead, Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Eradicate evil where, where it's up to you. Bring life where it's up to you. Bring healing where it's up to you. Bring community where it's up to you. Like all these things are incredible, life-giving things. And Jesus is saying, freely you've received, disciples, so you're to freely give. You're to freely give. There's a story of a woman who's in a shop and one of the shop assistants says, I love your bag, your handbag. It's so lovely. She's like, oh, thanks. That's, that's nice. Thanks. Hey, can you please get me a bag, please? And so the shop assistant goes and gives her you know, a plastic bag or whatever. And she empties the contents of her handbag into the plastic bag and goes, here, it's yours. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. I remember um, walking um, with a mate at Bible College. Uh, he was a pastor, and um, I don't know if we were just talking or praying or whatever. And um, somehow it came up. I'm like, oh, cool red shoes, man. I like them. He's like, you want them? I'm like, don't be silly. He's like, no, seriously. I just went, and I got two for one. I don't need two. Take them. And he took them off and gave me his red shoes. And they were the comfiest shoes. They were awesome. Blessed to be a blessing. And I just love that heart. I've been given two. I don't need two. I've been so blessed. I could hoard this stuff or I could bless others. Uh, another time, um, I, I said to my brother, hey, nice red jumper. And he goes, here you go, and gave it to me. Like, just be careful. If I comment on something that's red of yours and I say I like it, you know, I love your Porsche, your red Porsche 911, by the way. You know, I always compliment people on the things that you know, blessed to be a blessing. Don't we want that kind of heart to freely give? Like when I was there on Thursday and hearing the stories and testimonies of many people in pastoral ministry now, like every one of them had radical God encounter moments. And often they were the moments that led them very quickly, sometimes the process took a lot longer, into ministering to others. Why? You're blessed to be a blessing. And when God does something powerful in your life, the only appropriate response is to pass it on. 
to pass it, you know, pay it forward, to bless someone else through the blessing we've been given. There's so many implications to this, aren't there? Freely we receive from our Heavenly Father and freely we give those, give to those around us. Or more importantly, freely we give, freely we receive from our Heavenly Father and freely we bless those and give to those who aren't yet ready to receive freely from their Heavenly Father because they don't know Him or they don't know Him to that extent yet or they don't trust Him yet or they don't trust Him to that extent yet and we're to freely receive from Father because we know how good He is and how He wants to give good gifts to His kids and we're given to, we're blessed so that we can bless others, others who don't even know how to receive directly yet from their Heavenly Father and then through us they're receiving from their Heavenly Father the goodness of our Heavenly Father and maybe, just maybe and hopefully and as we pray, those people get a taste of how good Heavenly Father is so that they can come freely to Heavenly Father and receive freely from Heavenly Father themselves directly so they can then give to those around them who may not fully trust Heavenly Father yet enough to freely receive from Him. Yeah, what a game plan, God. Thank you. This is awesome. This is awesome. And this is who we are. This is us, church. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. And we're going toward new creation where everyone's fully blessed in God's manifest presence as family. So as we think about the future, we need to be thinking where we are called to be people that bless. As worship team comes up, we're to be people who invest in the future. That's a money word, isn't it? Invest. But invest in all kinds of ways. Money is included. If we can't be trusted with our finances, is God going to trust us with greater things and greater gifts? That's like a starting point in the kingdom, isn't it? Being trusted as God provides for us to freely give. And he asks us to, to joyfully give a portion of that back. He asks us to serve. He asks us to to give, to serve, to commit. He asks us to think about our future, which absolutely involves our children, but involves every stage of life, doesn't it? So I'm going to finish by blessing you in Jesus' name, right? We can by the power of the Spirit, bless people in Jesus' name. It's not because we're fancy, because God's awesome. All right? So I'd like, um, and please be honest here, I just want anyone who just wants me, like I'm just going to pray a blessing and pronounce a blessing, um, and, and we're going to continue this theme too. Um, but I want you to, if you want that, I want you to stand up right now and I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. And when I say that, I am not meaning just like you sneezed. Well, God bless you. Okay? But I'm pronouncing like a reality to change. Okay? Father God, 
I bless everyone standing and who is choosing to say yes to your blessing right now. Whatever you want to give. Father, I bless them in Jesus' name. I bless these guys in Jesus' name. Father, we ask for your blessing. And Lord, I bless, I bless you guys in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name that God's face may shine toward you, that his gracious hand would be upon you, that he would give you shalom, a fullness of peace. I bless you in Jesus' name. And Father, with the blessing you give, I pray the boldness upon every person standing that they would bless others in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And when you do that, just trust that God backs you up because he wants to bless people. You say, I bless you in Jesus' name. Father, I bless the health of everyone standing in Jesus' name. Father, I bless the wealth. I know I don't like saying that as a pastor, but I do. I bless the wealth, the financial goodness of everybody in this room in Jesus' name for the benefit of your kingdom. I bless your spiritual walk with Jesus in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless your relationships in Jesus' name right now. I bless all the marriages in this room in Jesus' name and the future marriages to come. I bless your children and my children in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless every mind in this room in Jesus' name for health in the mind and clarity and beauty and a mind set on what is good. I bless every mind in this room in Jesus' name. I thank you that we're all family here. We all know each other kind of well. And Father, I pray your blessing to rest upon every person in this room in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like more info, please see our website at jbc.org.au. May you know Jesus' presence with you. Have a great day and God bless.